Santos's kick is lined up. That kick is good. He got it. They're going to give it off to Tyreek Hill. Little inside slash. Now left 40 yard line. Hill at midfield. Using the speed 40. Cuts it back 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. He's got 100 ways to beat you. Touchdown, Kansas City. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Arrowheads Abroad podcast with myself, Brad Simcox, otherwise known as the Brit Chief, for those of you on YouTube. And with me as always is Tom Childs. Hi Brad, how you doing? Very good, thanks mate. And we've also got Dave Barnett. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Uh, And this is the Kansas City Chiefs podcast for the UK and Ireland. So uh, yeah, how how are you both doing? Sad. Sad glum. Yeah, pretty sad, yeah. The, the weekend so, was not good. Yeah, this is on the back of the, uh, the obviously, the Titans' defeat. Um, yeah, I think we should just jump straight into it. Previous game analysis. Should we go straight into the game on Sunday or just cheer us up a bit first with the pre- three previous victories? Uh, well, first of all, yeah. I would like to uh, make an apology. Um, obviously... We promised this podcast about four weeks ago, but it's entirely my fault why we haven't got it. Um, this is actually our seventh attempt at recording it, so it could have been a happier podcast. Is it only seven? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was week one. Was it was a bit closer yeah. to, yeah, it's about 13, 14? <laughs> yeah, probably. It would have been a happier podcast had we done it after the Denver game or the Falcons game after the Raiders game. But yeah, no. literally any other game in the past month other than this one. Yeah, so apologies, guys. Um, unfortunately, it comes after this oh-so-horrible defeat against the Titans. Um, I don't know where you guys want to begin with that. but Well, I, think, I think we'll accept your apology first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will, Brad, but I'm not too sure about Dave. Yeah, I'm still on the road to forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably going to take a little while. Well, the, the obviously, the Titans game, I, I think I found the bottom of the rum, the rum bottle at the time. Um wasn't impressed with. I mean, I, let's start with the positives. Let's start with the positives first. Great first half. We we seemed to just be in control of it. Um, Smith seemed to be just letting loose again. I thought. I thought he'd thrown quite a few, you know, long balls. Um, but it just seemed to just fall down second half, didn't it? Really, lads. You're I mean, yeah, you're a lot more positive about this than I'm probably going to be. That's all I will say. Um, I genuinely thought the entire game was pretty horrible. Um, it got inflated by a big Tyreek uh, touchdown run in, in on the first drive, and other than that, you had the big play to Macklin. But I don't think we moved the ball particularly great all day. Really, I mean, just just pretty awful offensive showing all around I mean your defense you know, holds a team to you know pretty 19 points gets three turnovers you expect to win the large majority of your home games you should not really be losing at home when you know the defense does that for you so yeah I just thought as I say outside of a couple big plays here and there I so, just don't think we move the ball consistently all day so the, the, the positive view is the 
the defense. Oh yeah, by by far. Like if you, as I say, especially the run the Titans have been on recently. Um, they, you know, they're probably one of the more informed teams in the AFC, which is not saying much because it's not really got any standout performers this year. But as I say um, they they come in in pretty decent form. Mario has been playing well. Um, I'm saying that though, saying that I I wasn't actually wowed by the Titans. I was I, I was expecting a lot more from Mariota. You you say that, Brad, but had it been the other way around and it was us making that comeback, you would have been wowed. Yeah, good point. I mean, that's not the Titans' mo though. The Titans are a you know heavy run first team. They've got a big, powerful offensive line. They've got two big power backs to run behind the offensive line you know they're not asking Mariota to do an awful lot but when he has been asked to do stuff recently he's actually been pretty impressive um, so I think on the whole yeah we gave up a few big runs here and there but we pretty much stiffened up when we need to that whole sort of bend but don't break philosophy um, but I say just you can't when your offence can't score 20 points at home you're going to be in trouble quite a lot especially That's like the Titans are 31st against the pass this year we had 150 something yards passing which is sounds like a familiar um, stat doesn't it um, Tom anything you want to add to that well just to lead off what Brad was saying uh, Dave was saying sorry um, if you give 26 teams in the league this defensive performance week in week out which the Chiefs unit seems to give us they're going to win 90% of their games. Um, 19 points against the Titans, 28 points was it against the Falcons. It sounds uh, They sound like a lot, but in this today's NFL, that's really not a lot of points. Um, I think it's about time the offence steps up because if they don't, we are going to fall short in January. Mm. And unfortunately, it's uh, it's a points league. It's a passing league now and you need to, you need to find a way to put 24, 25 points on the board every game. And at the moment, it just doesn't seem to be happening for the team. I say the the stat I heard at the weekend was the last three games we have not scored a single offensive point in the second half, and they were against that big is, teams as well. That's pretty pretty shocking to not score a single offensive point in six quarters of football. And it's it's the whole letting teams hang around in games which annoys me. Um, I can think of four times at home now. Uh, where we've let teams hang about in the game against the Jets where we picked off Fitzpatrick six six times um, we still let the Jets hang about they were still in the game in the middle of the fourth quarter it's the Bucks we should have killed off in the middle of the by the middle of the third same with on Sunday okay the Raiders we let come back into it but they're they're a good team so you can you can allow that but for four times at home to have commanding leads and then lose to, to lose two of them just isn't good enough from the offense in the second half mm. I mean, call it the dreamer in me, but I, I still think that this team, this Chiefs team, is capable of racking up 30, 40 points. It should do. It should be able to because it's the weapons are there. You look, you, you only have to look at the players out, uh, spread out wide. You've got Kelsey, Hill, Macklin. You've got Spencer Ware running back. Kendrick West can come in and do a little bit every now and then. The, the weapons are there. Um, the, the offensive line isn't where it should be you could argue but there's no reason in these this team can't score points in Tyreek Hill you've arguably got the most exciting player in the league at the moment yeah yeah I mean the offensive line is pretty 
average. I'm not saying it's great. It's not particularly amazing by any stretch, but I'm pretty sure they rank, you know, in the just above average in both run and pass blocking. So yeah, you're not they're not amazing at any one thing, but they're certainly not hurting the team. But saying think. that, yeah, but saying that they do seem to be giving Smith time in the pocket. Oh yeah, like the only, you know, we have. I think he only got sacked once at the weekend, if I remember correctly, and that was because he didn't get the, you know, he didn't get a ball out quick enough. I mean, a coverage downfield, but still, as I say, you know, it wasn't a, it was a coverage sack. It wasn't a, mm. you know, a guy got through too quickly kind of sack. Um, I say it's just, it, you know, you go. We've got the weapons. The offensive line doesn't seem to be the issue. So does that bring you to the quarterback? And do you go well? Is Alex Smith holding this offense back? And you'd have to say, based on the majority of this season, that that is probably the case. Because I say, look to the Titans game as stated before: thirty-first against the pass, one hundred and fifty something yards passing, and for a quarterback like Alex Smith that. Yeah, you're not expecting big, big stats week in, week out. You know, that's not what you're going to get with him. I've accepted that by this point. I don't have a problem with that. But the big, two big selling points of Alex is that, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over, which he has been doing in the last few games. He had a pick after half time against the Raiders, which, you know, if again, if it hadn't been for the defence. You know, the Raiders probably should have got more points off the turnovers they had against us. He had a horrible pick in the end zone against the Titans. Not a horrible, horrible pick. You just can't turn the ball over there. And for a guy like that, that, as I say, his key selling points are he doesn't turn the ball over. And also, he's supposed to be good with his feet. But again, how many yards rushing has he got this year? I think it was something like 50 is there something compared to like yeah. 450 last year he's averaging two yards a carry this season which is way down on what he was last year last year it seems every time the Chiefs got in a bit of trouble maybe third and eight maybe longer he seems to uh, roll out and gain the first down yeah do you think it, do you think it's come down to the um the hit he took against the Colts or do you reckon there was a problem before that but there was a problem before that you only need to look at the games before the Colts where you know he wasn't running the ball there either so um, you know he himself doesn't think it's his age catching up to him and I'm you know not in you know I'm inclined to believe him when he says that because he doesn't really look that much slower he's still he's still got he the speed does doesn't occasionally he occasionally yeah. scramble yeah he does look like he's got the speed I mean, I I say there's been claims that he's been spied more by teams this year. So, you know, they're just leaving a linebacker on him to cover him, you know, to stop him from scrambling out. But that doesn't seem to be the case all of the time. There's there's something holding him back and I just kind of can't quite figure out what it is. Well, that, that leads me on to the next thing, really, because uh, I want to bring up the Andy Reid player calling. Because it's it's been banded around a lot, hasn't it? Is this is is that what you think is holding back Alex Smith, or is it a combination of both? I personally think they're both to blame, especially with this loss on Sunday. Um, the play calling itself, I was okay with. Like when 
after the Anthony Thomas touchdown that wasn't, um, I was annoyed that he didn't challenge that. But the two play calls after going for it on third and goal, uh, third and one, uh, the one yard line and third and fourth and goal as well, I was okay with that. I was okay with the play calls. Um, players missed their blocks. That's all. I've seen, watched them back since. Mitchell Schwartz, well, Demetrius uh, Harris had it. Demetrius Harris and whiff. James James O'Shaughnessy, they um, they all missed blocks on both of those plays. So I was okay with the play calls. It was the um, the decision making, as it were, when it comes to timeouts and challenges, which I personally think lost us this game. Yeah, don't get me started on the timeouts. <laughs> I've already got a rant video going on that. <laughs> timeouts. Yeah, the timeout. I mean, not. I mean, yeah. Everybody's talking about the the icing the kicker attempt and things like that at the end. But the one I I keep pointing towards is is the one where um, was it the Titans were um, doing the hurry up offense. Oh, and fourth and five. Yeah, yeah, then they were fourth and five, and they had no timeouts left, and the, the play clock was ticking down. They didn't even look set, ready to go, and and Reeds gave them a pretty much gave them a timeout to uh, to gather the thoughts. Um, that was unforgivable for me, um, it, unless unless Reed or the the coordinators saw something where maybe the the. You know, we had too many people on the field or what, I don't know, but they, 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 they called it at the wrong time. You could argue the same with the kick, though, as well. Oh, yeah. The, the Titans were rushing to get ready. Because um, it, it must be hard for a, for a special teams to get offense get off the field and just get the special teams yeah. on and to kick a field goal in those, in those conditions. In what, all in, what, in 40 seconds they get? Yeah, 45 it minutes. Must, it? 40, 40, yeah, yeah. It, it must be tough, and especially in those conditions. So, the whole ice and the kicker thing. I think we we discussed this amongst ourselves before the show. It just doesn't work now. Yeah, um, I've never seen it. Work. Well, I say it doesn't work when you give the kicker a free attempt to find his range and judge the condition. That was my biggest problem with that icing the kicker. Like if you'd have called that timeout five seconds earlier before the ball had a chance to get snapped and suck up had a chance to kick it, fine. It was freezing cold out there. You're just keeping the kicker on the field a bit longer, keeping him cold. Don't have a problem with it. What I have a problem with is you called it after ball had been snapped and the kick had a chance to basically have a range finder. Mm-hmm. You you can't do that with these guys are professionals. Like this that that stuff might work with you know kids in high school and against college kickers, but these guys like kickers in the NFL are like the the most accurate they've ever been. Like guys you know are like in the high 80s low 90 percent on field goals now and pretty much most are automatic inside 50 yards so i just yeah it just doesn't make any sense like don't give them a free kick to try it out it's just baffled me and you know what the worst thing was about that it was a former chief yeah no (laughs) mr (laughs) mr irrelevant himself yes uh (laughs) it didn't even think he could do it either apparently um in in some of the reports but anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, I think what we'll do is do. I think we'll start with some questions actually from uh, from the Facebook page, the Arrowheads Abroad Facebook page. Incidentally, if you've got any questions you want to ask Tom, Dave, or myself, obviously go to the Facebook page at Arrowheads Abroad, uh, and yeah, we'll pick out the best ones to to, to obviously answer. Um, the first one we've got at the minute is from Timothy Rowley. The Chiefs MVP so far this season. 
Dave, do you uh, want to go first? I mean, are we are we talking like a team MVP or a separate offensive and defensive? Well, any any player, I think they're on about there. I think. Thanks for that, Timothy. I'll I'll go and split it in half and say offensive and defensive. Start offensive. Yeah, I think it's hard to look past uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, that guy's been unbelievable considering he's a fifth round draft pick. And no, obviously there were certain things with why he got drafted in the fifth round and you know certain question marks around that when he was drafted but I think the Chiefs need to be commended for how they've handled that though oh yeah for sure like, everyone, uh, yeah. yeah I say it sort of you know they explain the reasoning behind it at the time and I say it seems to have worked out for you know for the team for the better so I say that looks like it's worked for the yeah. time being and hopefully it will continue that way um i say he's just been a spark plug you know originally obviously earlier in the season it was more special teams and stuff but in the last four or five weeks he's been you know outside of travis kelsey he's you know been the main go-to guy on offense you know for a big play or you know a, a touchdown when needed most so yeah, I think it's hard to look past him right now. Um, I think on defense, obviously Eric Berry, just pay the man, just just give him Absolutely. that contract. Like, yeah. that guy is just the heart of this Chiefs team, um, and I just I dread to see him. The, you know, the idea of seeing him play in another team's uniform. So just please get him signed, please, Tom. Well, MVP. I was hoping. I was hoping Dave was going to let me take the defensive. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave's Dave's the wannabe star here, so we're, we'll let him take the, the uh, mic time. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely Eric Berry. Uh, the way he energizes this team, he's he's the on-field general. Um, even more so now that Derek Johnson's gone down. Um, you only have to look at the Falcons game. Just that in himself, in itself deserves to be team MVP to to win a game single-handedly as a defensive player is something you don't see very often and he just seems to be coming on leaps and bounds this year for like, he's two years removed from cancer and look what he's doing um, boy a year removed sorry and he's just he's something else and I agree you just just pay him give him what he wants just give him a blank check but well that, that actually leads on to the next question because uh, we've got a question from Connor Kelly Connor Kelly uh, if you have to decide between Berry and Paul, who do you sign and why? I mean, it's got to be Berry, hasn't it? As of right now. I mean, don't get me wrong, it would be hard to see Poe go, but based on play Poe this go. year and, <laughs> you know... Sorry. The, <laughs> hey, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, the, the possible issues with his back I don't know there seems to be something going on there um, yeah it's hard to let Perry go right now for me yeah Tom? yeah I'm in the, I'm in the same boat I'm, this is sounding really boring now it's just me agreeing with Dave but um, hey it's yeah. gonna happen more often yeah. than not what can I say <laughs> you're so wise maybe <laughs> let me go first once in a while <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah we, we seem to be finding defensive linemen out of nowhere I know obviously Pose a bit different because he's he's a nose tackle, but um, defensive linemen seem to be coming on a conveyor belt in Kansas City at the moment. It doesn't matter who goes down; there seems to be always someone stepping up. It's it's not quite the same at safety. Um, 
Eric Berry is a special talent. There's, uh, I would put him up. Only Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas are the only ones anywhere near him uh, in the league. So if you've got a top a top two player at his position, then you need to keep him. And that's exactly where Eric Berry is. Well, there is a way we can keep both, isn't there? Um, yeah. is it, isn't it sign Berry and franchise tag Paul? Yeah. That makes the most logical sense yeah. this year. Because I think Poe wouldn't actually be that expensive, well, you know, comparatively on the franchise tag because he's considered a 3-4 nose tackle, mm-hmm. whereas 4-3 defensive tackles actually get paid more. So it would actually cost us less to franchise tag Poe than it would bury by a considerable amount, especially as when you franchise tag someone for the second time, it goes up by a set percentage. So, yeah. And, and I think their, I think their pay, uh, their play this season warrants paying Eric Berry more uh, mm. the, the contracts because Dontari Poe two years ago, if he was a free agent, he would have commanded a lot more money than I think he's going to command this off season. And it, uh, he's been solid, but two years ago he was lights out. Um, I don't know if it's because we've just got used to him being so great that we don't notice it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But as well as Eric Berry, because Eric Berry's play has been, he's going to command. A bigger contract, and if he does go to another team or does hit the market, he is going to get stupid money. There's going to be every team's going to want to pay him because they see what a leader he can be on the field. So it, I think they can get both deals done, but Eric Berry has to be the priority this off season. It has to be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Another question. Uh, Graham Smith has said, uh, should the Chiefs be looking to bring in a couple of wide receivers? Is that where we are suffering? I'll let you go first. Yeah, time, go on, Tom. Tom. You go first. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say so. Um, we've got players that can catch the ball. We've got Macklin. We've got Hill. We've got Conley. Um, Albert Wilson does okay every now and then. Um, I know what Dave's going to answer this. He's going to be the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be the answer there. Um, no, I can I, hear I him think... warming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He t- he takes to Twitter so quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I would um, no, I don't think we do need a new wide receiver. I think this is the best we've looked at wide receiver in a very very long time. Um, uh, it's probably the play calls, the offense, and the um, the trigger man that might be the problem. Mm-hmm. Dev, yeah, I I say I'm pretty much in agreement. Like, I think obviously you always need to bring guys in, uh, you know, at the back end of the roster to sort of, you know, provide competition, improve your depth. So, you know, someone to provide a bit of competition for Albert Wilson, you know, De'Anthony Thomas, you know, someone to hopefully come and push one of those guys out. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of at the, the top of the depth chart, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with, you know, Macklin Conley and especially the emergence of Hill. Yeah. I think it's not anywhere close to a pressing need this off-season. Um I say it's I think I say the best situation I can think we've been in for you know pass catches as long as I've been watching the Chiefs I don't think we've had this much talent on offense mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think that's probably extremely low on our priorities list going into the off season right I think we'll do one more question because this one's a really good one actually this one's from uh, Connor Kelly again Looking forward to the next three years of the AFC West. Resurgent Raiders, regressing Broncos and internally injured Chargers. Where do you see the power 
in the division sitting in 2019. I think that's uh, that's pretty much looking at you know who's going to be what kind of era is it going to be now, isn't it? Uh, Brad, you can be the honest you can be the honest one here. I don't want to say it, but you. Can be the honest <laughs> one. Well, uh, I don't want to. I, I, like you said, we 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 said something like this uh, before the uh, the actual podcast, but the way the Raiders are going on at the minute, young team, um, they've drafted well. They've obviously had to because they've they've had some very early round picks on that, haven't they? So um, I can only see the Raiders really going from strength to strength at the minute, and. With the Chiefs, I suppose we, we're getting quite a few aging players now. Um, I don't know. It, it pains me to say it, um, but it looks as though it could be it could be Raiders for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, the, I, I mean, I can only see the Broncos declining now as well. Yeah, I think it's, it comes down to what the Chiefs and what the Broncos can do at quarterback in the next couple of years. Obviously, they've I don't think neither team have got a long-term fix mm. in on their roster. Obviously, Smith is only going to be here for another couple of years mo- at most. Uh, Trevor Simeon might not be the answer. Um, Philip Rivers, again, he he has only got a few years left to play. So it, it is the Raiders. The Raiders are going to be the powerhouse of this division in, in three years' time, unfortunately, unless something drastically changes yeah. at the quarterback position. I mean, the only thing you'd have to say for the Raiders is you obviously wonder what their cap situation is going to be like in a few years when they have to start paying mm. some of this young talent. That's when, you know, yeah. it's how well they can sort of draft to sort of ensure that the, the roster churn isn't too high when it comes to having to pay some guys and having to let some guys go. Because that's been their advantage the last couple of years is they've been able to sign these big money free agents because you know they've got a lot of young guys that they're not having to pay a lot of money but two three years down the line when they're going to have to pay you know Carr they're going to have to pay Amari Cooper they're going to have to pay Khalil Mack you know all those guys are going to have to get paid and there's only so much cap room to go about so it's you know can they pay those guys and keep the roster around them at the same time that's going to be the the interesting thing for them Um, if they can do that then yeah, it, that'll be certainly the the toughest challenge, I think, in the AFC West for the foreseeable future. Um, I say, for the Chiefs, it's we, I think, need a long-term answer at quarterback, regardless of Smith's performance, you know, this year or next year, whatever. Like, he's obviously, I don't think, going to be the long-term answer with, you know, say his seemingly declining performance and it's his age um, and I think you know trying to find a, a corner to play opposite Peters um, is a big must because with Gaines seemingly unable to stay healthy for an entire season um, I think all eyes are on Mitchell know, now aren't they I mean he's played well in a you know in the small doses we've seen of him but the same was with you know Marcus Cooper a few years back so <laughs> I would just you know I would praise praise caution you know I'd it's love it two games. Was, yeah, you know that's what I mean I'd love yeah. it if he turned out to be the answer that'd be great but you know I'd just be a bit more cautious with that and you know might not necessarily be the long term answer and obviously 
replacing DJ. That's going to be the the biggest thing I think mm-hmm. this off season because who knows? Like you know, knowing DJ, he's going to try his hardest to come back from that injury and you know be try and get close to back to where he was this year. But that's tough for a guy that's what is he thirty five nearly now thirty four. Um, you know he's had two torn Achilles. That's that's tough for a guy to come back from and I think you know a replacement was probably high on the list anyway so it's probably been pushed up the the list of things needed with this second injury again so you can't see his draft in a quarterback then uh, it's I always can see redrafting quarterbacks it's what he's done all throughout his career mm. you know with Philly and even with the Chiefs to an extent not quite as high as he did with Philly and with some guys but you know even with the Chiefs he's drafted you know two quarterbacks and you know picked up another highly sought after you know undrafted free agent mm-hmm. um, so he's he's always looking to sort of you know bring guys in at that position so I you know I'd be I'd be shocked if we didn't get a quarterback in some way shape or form this off season yeah whether it be a high round draft pick or whether you know again it's someone to sort of bring in and see what you've possibly got as a long term development but who knows mm-hmm. um, so uh, we've we've dissected pretty much everything on the titans and uh, and where the chiefs are, are failing and uh, f- say failing loosely because we are 10 and 4 um, so you know, moving on, we've got the Broncos coming up Christmas Day. What are you guys doing for Christmas? How are you going to be supporting the Chiefs? Uh, well, <laughs> hopefully I'll still be awake. <laughs> you know how Christmas Day is. You should get up, you have a beer. You know that song? Get up, drink, stand up, drink, sit down, drink. That's pretty much Christmas Day in my house. Um, so. Uh, yeah, if I'm still awake, which hopefully I will be, uh, it'll be on my own, in a dark room, on my phone, <laughs> with the headphones in. Um, with the Christmas tree lights so... twinkling in the corner. <laughs> it sounds so bad, doesn't it? Uh, um, yeah, a mince pie and a rum and coke probably. I, d- uh, I just don't want it, like, if we, if we lose, I don't want it to ruin my Christmas. Christmas Day, I'll be like a bear with a sore head. Really? Yeah. Well, we could we could make the playoffs before the game even starts. If if Pittsburgh knock off the Ravens, then we're in. So, but at the same time, I probably don't want Pittsburgh to make the playoffs because they scare the living daylights. Out of <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they give us fits. Um, I would I would sooner support probably the Ravens at half nine, watch that game, then have an hour of playing cards with the in-laws maybe, and then an hour. Uh, yeah, an hour of that, and then sit down, watch a game, chill on the Chiefs. I just wish I was there. I really wish I was That'd there. That'd be amazing. games this season, the one I wanted to go to. Christmas Day at Arrowhead. It sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, it's, yeah, um, I think my Christmas Day doesn't sound too dissimilar from Tom's, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> you come around, Dave. <laughs> Am I invited? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Maybe. copious amounts of alcohol, you know, eat Christmas dinner and then watch football it seems like the perfect Christmas day really I'm not going to lie yeah. it does if we, maybe some NBA it does if we win yeah that, that's the key thing 
We've been quite lucky the last few weeks, bar you know the Titans game. We've, we'll pretend that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I mean, with like the big prime time games, you know, we beat the Falcons, we beat the Broncos, we beat the Raiders. So hopefully we can get another big, you know, t- prime time win again. And if the Colts beat the Raiders on Saturday night, Christmas Eve, then the incentive is there. Like I know that you should have the incentive to go out and beat the Broncos anyway. That'll be a massive boost in the arm, that wouldn't if, it? If if you can go out beat the Broncos. Uh, after the Raiders have lost then the Chiefs are going to be in control of their own destiny again and the Raiders have to go to Denver on the last game of the season no way in hell Broncos are going to want to get swept in the division uh, by the Raiders as well as the Chiefs that's the thing I've not looked at the playoff connotations fully but if we beat the Broncos could they be out of it? Yeah, we could, we we could more or less eliminate the Broncos so you could have a double double whammy here you could put yourself in and eliminate the team that's caused you so much heartache over the last five years. So I'm assuming that's the, relying on a Miami and Ravens. Yeah, game, is it? I, I think Miami have got the Bills, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously you've got the Steelers playing the Ravens. Um, but I can't see the Ravens winning that. No, not the way Pittsburgh. I know the Ravens seem to give the Steelers fits though. Every time they play them, they, yeah, they yeah. always play them close, even when you know. Baltimore were doing terribly last year. They still, you know, gave Pittsburgh games. It's you know, div- you know what division games are like, man. Yeah, like, they're always close for affairs. Fifth coin flip game sometimes. Uh, what about you, Brad? What are you uh, doing? I think it's, I think it's pretty much the same. It's sad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> An English, a British Christmas. A British Christmas. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll probably be welcoming the fat man, putting the uh, the presents under the tree whilst I'm watching the game. I probably won't even notice him, to be honest. I'll be so glued to the uh, glued to the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, the loads of alcohol. I, I, my tipples rum. And anybody who knows nice. me, uh, if I drink rum, the Chiefs win. So I'll be drinking loads of it. Uh, Malibu, yeah? And a beer, yeah. <laughs> beer, cheers, sir. That's in Malibu. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be doing all of that. Um, I don't know, I'll see what's, see what's on the telly as well beforehand, get myself into it, maybe watch a football in life or something on the uh, on the game pass. I've been watching those lately, not just the Chiefs ones, but other teams as well. What's the um, board game of choice on Christmas Day in your house? The board game of choice? It's actually Junior Monopoly. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's about my level. That can only end one way. <laughs> Junior, have you seen it? Have you seen they've released um, a hotline number for this Christmas Monopoly? No. To, yeah, to settle disputes in households over rules. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool, but I feel really sad for the people that, that, on the yeah. hotline. Can you imagine being told like you're going to have to work on Christmas Day to solve <laughs> stupid family disputes over Monopoly? <laughs> You just you like, say stupid. You just be like, are you, are you having a laugh? Like, you actually want me to do this? <laughs> I tell you what, where I live up in the northeast, there'll be loads of reports on the news, on the local news, that people will be getting glassed by family members <laughs> for, uh, for for board game disputes. You know, um, but it's not that bad round here. I'm, I'm giving it a bit of a, a disservice, really. But um, what what are the crisps like up north? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Tudors. Uh, yeah, okay. Climb a mountain, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I think this Tudor? is where I might insert that YouTube clip. <laughs> just so people yeah. know what's going on. 
Yeah. Sorry, we us we were in fits before. Do you know what? I wish because... I hadn't shown you that now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Brad showed us quite a. I don't know whether to say hilarious or disturbing video on YouTube about some crisps ad that weird. I don't get it. Must um, be a northeast it, thing. It might be our uh, intro for the Arrowheads Abroad podcast. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mitch. You've been sidelined. Yeah. You've been sidelined for Tudor crisps. Yeah. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. Um, I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're also obviously moving away from the Chiefs slightly. Um, we've all seen Rogue One. Um, yes. Just be mindful. Yes. If anybody's listening to this, there is a spoiler alert on this because um, we will be talking about this in depth because Tom thinks it's the greatest movie ever. Um, no, not ever. Not ever. Not ever. Oh, no, what? the greatest movie since Strikes Back. <laughs> since Empire. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Empire so anyway, Strikes Back. Not, spoilers, not Strikes Back. Spoilers from this moment. Spoilers from this moment. So, so if you don't if you... want to have it spoiled for you, fast forward. This is it. <laughs> I might insert when to start listening again if I couldn't be bothered to do that. But if not, yeah, it was fun having you here. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yes, straight into uh, the best bit of the film, which I thought was uh, the end. <laughs> which yes. was Darth, Vader Darth Vader going all Darth going Vader on absolutely everyone. mental. Um, I think Dave's actually said before this um, that if he'd seen that 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 Darth Vader in the first three films, um, I think it would be just a scary ass person <laughs> i was gonna say something really <laughs> yeah. bad there i, yeah, I, really I got, I got <laughs> what you were going person. for there yeah, I, got, <laughs> I got the general direction you're heading in <laughs> um, scary um was it dave or was it tom who actually dissected every single move that uh that darth vader did i might have been me yeah, <laughs> I, got a little, I got a little bit excited about that i'm not gonna lie um, it was three swishes to the left with a saber and then it was a right then it was a choke then it was force <laughs> choke someone to the ceiling then cut him in half as he fell down then impaled a guy on a door i'm like seriously who's not watching that going oh my god i'm so scared right now like uh, can you imagine if like if I'd have been a little kid watching Star Wars and that had been the Darth Vader I'd seen, I would be terrified. I'd have a reason to fear him. Like, you know, you just see the looks on the guy's faces. You're just like, they're going to die. Like, you know they're going to die. <laughs> they're all going to die. It's just like, yeah, yeah tough look. But yeah, it's just that, that moment when he steps out of the black and you just see his lightsaber light up and it's just like, oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> so that, there's a question, isn't just, it? Is, if you were in that... Uh, Say if it was real life. Yeah. Yeah. Say if it was real life. Obviously, yeah. Are you are you light or are you dark side now? Oh dark. <laughs> After seeing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like without dark there's no film. Yeah. Well anyway, so... let, let's let's really talk about the, the, the actual film itself with uh, you know how how you felt it went and you know, the dialogue, how did it flow, that kind of thing, um, the action scenes. How did out of all of that? What did, would you say made Rogue One for you? I would say the the, um, the seamless transition. Um, they they really tied up some thoughts that you had when the early films, especially like the whole the floor of the Death Star. You know, yeah. Everyone, every, when you from when you're a kid, oh, how does the Death Star have this exhaust? Floor in it where <laughs> a, yeah, exhaust where a tiny little 
X-Wing can get in there and blow the old thing up. It was good how they did that, um, wasn't it? Yeah, they tied that up really well. Um, I just think it was seamless. It's arguably the most complete Star Wars film um, from start to finish. Like it, As a standalone film, it, it, it was incredible. Uh, they've done such a good job on it. Like, I thought they did a good job on Force Awakens, mm. um, which was a tough gig itself after the the relative failure of episode one, two, and three. Yeah. But but this one, uh, it was just it borderline perfect. Yeah. Um, in, in my mind, it's definitely top two Star Wars for me. Um, only Empire is better, but that Empire is better because of it's got the most iconic moment in Star Wars. Um, with the whole Luke, I am your father thing. But um, <laughs> is that I could do a better impression. Maybe next time. Maybe we'll open. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe we'll open the pod with an impression of Darth Vader next time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Darth Vader competition. But yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going again next week. You going again? I can't. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I went to I went to see Force Awakens twice, and so this warrants at least three times. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on Boxing Day again. So, oh man, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But, That's um, like who have I started a pod? Do you know with? what? <laughs> do you know what? You're gonna, you're probably going to alienate me from this, but I when the first prequel came out i went to see it three times oh phantom menace <laughs> yeah we see yeah to be fair like in in your defense the first time i watched phantom menace at the cinema i was like that was pretty cool and then i watched it again and i was like yeah it was getting worse as okay I was that wasn't <laughs> actually as good as i remember it being and then i watched it again and i was like actually that was a pretty terrible movie like i'm sort of having the same feelings with force awakens where i was like I watched that last year and I was like, oh my goodness, this is absolutely amazing. Star Wars mm. is back. Yeah. And then I watched it again and I was like, yeah, it's still really good. And then I watched it again like a couple of months ago and I was like, I, don't get me wrong, it's not like episode one and two levels of bad. Yeah. But I was just kind of like, this is this is not as good as I remember it being. It's it, strange, it's, isn't it? Because it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's certainly not bad, I don't think, but it, it's just fine there's you know it, i think it could have been better it's strange it's because you can you could watch the classics over and over again four five and six you could watch over and over again couldn't you i say i'm not a big oh, fan yeah. of six but oh, yeah, no. Other, no 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 i think six is just well it's comfortably the worst of the original mm. trilogy i don't think that's really too much of a debate yeah we're jumping um, around a bit off this, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Ten, ten, ten minutes of Star Wars. Back onto Rogue One again. Um, yes. The the bit for me was uh, I've forgotten the guy's name in the film. The um, the, the the blind guy who uh, just totally oh, kicks yeah. the ass of all them stormtroopers. Um, that was one of the the best action scenes for me on that. Until I saw the Darth Vader scene. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked a bit where they put the hood over his head and he's like. Are you kidding? I'm like I'm blind. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put a hood on my head. I can't see it anyway. Do you realise, guys, that now um, half of our audience are actually Trekkies, and we've lost? Yeah, them. Well, that's probably the case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm not that bothered. <laughs> no, this, this would be our section. This would be our little segment of the show. Um, yeah. I'm just talking S- nonsense. Yeah. Talking nonsense about Rogue One. Pop culture, so we say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I think I think that's pretty much covered what we were talking. We were going to talk about tonight, actually. That's um, other than how do you see the next few games going for the Chiefs and obviously the rivals as well. 
yeah uh it's it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks i think um obviously the denver game is going to be extremely tough they're fighting for their playoff lives so you know that they're, they're, and they're going to want revenge for a, a couple of weeks ago mm. um and obviously san diego despite all their injuries and such they're no pushovers easy either so i think we've got two tough games ahead everyone's been talking about oh the raiders have got to play you know two tough games to finish but we have as well so i probably think we're gonna settle into a wild card spot now i think it'll be tough to get that that uh second seed back from the raiders i think the, the, the key like you say is the is the denver game if we win that then uh, and the Raiders lose against the Colts, which, let's be honest, you can't really see that happening at the minute, the way the Raiders are going. But anything could happen, can't it? Anything could happen. Um, yeah, that's, what about that's Tom? it. We can only fight. We can only fight until until the end, until it's mathematically poss- impossible. We just need to carry on playing. I would say play our own game, but I don't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> play outside of our own game. Yeah, but. We 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 see. We, you never know. You, this team tends to respond really, really well to terrible defeats. Um, we've seen it f- twice already this season. Let's hopefully, hopefully, we will see it again on Sunday on Christmas Day. Yeah, I was I was just like to add here. Like I know this has been pretty negative for the most part, which it it can be a little bit after a loss. But I think on the season overall, I think most feelings are quite positive. It's just. Mm-hmm. Hard to look past it, I think, at times after a, a sort of a, a bad loss in a game that you know should have been probably won. You know. Yeah, I think I th- I think the key thing here is um, is that the, we're expecting the Chiefs to really light it up at some point, and it's almost like we're still waiting. Um, I've said this before about the, about the Chiefs and and the play call and. It's it's like they're not opening up the the playbook fully. They haven't even yeah. cra- they haven't well, even cracked I mean, the spine of it yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, it's funny to bring it back to this because like, especially the Raiders game and seemingly the Titans game, like the playbook seemed to sort of just get pulled back after the interceptions both times. It was almost like, you know, Reed was afraid of, you know, us making another mistake. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't know whether that's played into it, where you see whether you've seen the turnovers and gone, oh, I'd rather have, you know gone a bit safe mm. and not risk turning the ball over again because we've got the lead and just thought the defense can do enough here, which I think is equally as bad a way to do things. Yeah, it's just like keep keep doing what's working. Why we seem to pull back into this shell is weird, but I I'm just wondering if that's played. Into the thought process for Reed the last the last couple of games at least. Yeah, and the things that have happened. Yeah. Uh, right, lads. Well, um, I think we'll we'll tie it up there. Uh, thanks very much for for obviously joining me with this podcast. I want to thank everybody as well for sending the questions on the on the Facebook page. Um, and yeah, go Chiefs. Uh, see you at the at the Denver game, and hopefully we'll be doing another podcast with a win. Another win yeah, for the Chiefs. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone, all the listeners, and obviously to Tom and Dave. Cheers, Brad. Cheers. See you next Thanks week. Thanks for that, lads. Speak you soon. Bye. Can I take a few bags of tuna with me wages?
Nothing but the best for you, right, lad? Aye, great flavours, Tudor. Hey, Jack. Deliver these now, get your canny bag of crisps. Aye, man. The Tudor or Climber Mountain. Tudor, a crisp that's really worth its salt. 